The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world who knows that everything is bigger in Texas. I'm Jake Mintz, that's Jordan Schusterman, and when we are in the Lone Star State, we are seven feet tall, just like Chris Young. I was going to say, that is really what they are referring to. They're, they're general managers watching Chris Young hug, have to lean down and hug all of his players. He gave Adolis a bear hug at some point, and Adolis Garcia, not a small person, just kind of disappeared into the bosom of the GM that brought the Texas Rangers their first World Series in franchise history. There let's is so much to get to. Clap it up. Um, clap it up. Let's clap it up. Let's clap uh, it hey, up. Hey, let's clap it up. Jake is sitting in the, as we described, the bowels of Chase Field. I'm sitting in my office. It is 1 a.m. Eastern time. Hopefully, I will not wake up my wife with my clapping. But the Rangers deserve it, Jake, because they did it. They won the World Series in just five quick games, completing their undefeated road trip through the postseason, 11-0. We've never seen anything like it. And they're the champs. We are going to recap this World Series Game 5, a fantastic baseball game, uh, at least for eight and a half innings. Um, we are going to give you our immediate feelings and emotions of this Rangers World Series. But on Friday, we will give a little bit of a bigger picture thoughts about what it means for the Rangers to be winning the World Series. But this is just instant reaction. It's late night recording. Jake's got writing to do. We just want to get on here talking to these mics because this baseball season is over and the Rangers are the champs. Zach Gallen versus Nathan Ivaldi, both of whom can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. Now, will they? Probably not, but they could if they wanted to. They also happened to be the starting pitchers tonight in Game 5. Reminder, Game 3 and Game 4, both taken by the Texas Rangers here in the desert. So Arizona needed to win the final three to lift the World Series Cup, which is what people call it. They needed to win one to send it back to Texas, and before the game, it was interesting talking to Rangers people. They were like, there's a vibe, like this is done. And I don't know if it's done. It was done. But it didn't always seem that way at the beginning of the game because boy, oh boy, was Zach Gallen locked in. Yes, and while the D-backs uh, dream Cinderella run has ended, Zach Gallen ended on a tremendous note. We referred to it as a, as a Gallen legacy game. In some, in some respects coming into this. And the guy delivered. I mean, he carried a no-hitter deep into the game. And I think that what we saw from him was what we've kind of been waiting to see from Zach Allen, which was that he was in complete control. The stuff was crisp. The curveball was ridiculous. He Amazing. was using that. Just every, that was going exactly where he wanted to throw it for called strikes, for, for whiffs. Everything about that curveball was sensational. And he was just in, he was in control for the whole, for those first five innings. He was doing everything he wanted to do. This was the Zach Gallon, the larger baseball world was promised. Yeah. 
he has looked blah for the better part of the last three weeks since the Dodgers series. His last yeah. three starts were all underwhelming. He was solid, and it was like, is this really like a Cy Young candidate? He's a solid pitcher who goes five innings, goes six, and gives you you know a solid start, but he hadn't shown really the high end mm-hmm. until tonight, and yeah. it was incredibly impressive. If you go scroll through his game day stuff, it's all on the corners. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah, and his... It was, and the contrast with Ivaldi's start, which had a lot of traffic, and we can get to some of those innings in a second. But now it, it, it was matched up with the fact that Texas was again being extremely aggressive, which kept his pitch count exceptionally low um, in the early going. And so, because of that, we saw Zach Allen again. It was he was cruising, and so by the time we're getting into the middle innings, and we'll, we'll backtrack a little bit to get to some of the, the threats that the Diamondbacks had as we're getting into the middle innings. Even as we're going to the third time around and we start having that discussion and start thinking, oh, are they going to leave Gallon in to face Seager and all these guys again? He's at like 65, 70 pitches and he's rolling. It's as good as he's looked in, in weeks, if not months. So you can understand why Lavelle was going to leave him in. But let's flip it over to the other side because Nathan Ivaldi, on the other hand, while the stuff was there, the sharpness was not. The command was all over the place. He walked five batters for the first time in like 10 years or some ridiculous uh, length of time. Like this is not a guy that is used to losing his command to this degree. And when he walks two in the first inning, you kind of think, you know, even with no run scored, you're just thinking like, oh man, like how long is Ivaldi going to be able to go in this game if he's going to have this much traffic and his pitch count is climbing? But he was able to work around all those walks. What, he ended up with five, you said? Yep, five. Mm Mm-hmm. Nolan Ryan-esque, Jordan. Nobody walked anybody more. And Nadia Valdi, the guy who was born in Alvin, Texas, the same town as mm-hmm. Nolan Ryan, the Ranger great. Very appropriate way for it to go. I'm going to rely on you for the sure. beat-by-beats of this game. I do not have my game day up. That's I was fine. just pushed out of the uh, the kitchen where I was recording, <laughs> and I am standing with my computer on a dumpster. Okay. And so I'm just going to have you run point on that. Perfect. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, again, it was kind of the same inning over and over. You know, we'd get a leadoff guy. We'd get a walk. We'd get a guy into scoring position. And then he would get out of it. There would be a, a weak fly out. There would be a hard ground out. You know, we we get, I mean, I don't know if anyone gets to third base. I guess we should go. Let's go to the bunt. Okay. Let's go to the bunt. Let's Bottom of the, the third, Carroll leadoff single. Marte walk. It's first and second with nobody out. And Gabriel Moreno, who has not had a great World Series, admittedly, and I'm sure that factored into this decision somewhat, but he's batting third and has been one of their best hitters, of course, this entire month. They decide to bunt with Gabby Moreno. At least he got the bunt down. I mean, he did do the bunt well. Like that's something. There's a version of this where it was even more embarrassing where he bunts and he fails and he, you know, it's a bunt foul out or whatever. But no, he does get the bunt down to set up Christian Walker and Tommy Pham to hopefully drive a run in with guys on second and third with one out. And instead, Walker strikes out and Pham grounds out. Now, Pham smacked that ball, 114 off the bat for Pham. So again, it's like there was some hard contact too. But the bunt and playing for that one run was kind of a moment of like desperation of needing to get on the board, but also kind of like, hey, let's get one because Zach Gowns is dealing. Right. But it was also, it was like what that kind of said going for the bunt there had pushed their small ball mentality so far to where everyone, for, you know, all month it was like, oh, this is so great. This is so cute. It's so amazing that they've made it this far. And then suddenly we were all like, what the fuck? They're bunting with their three hitter. 
Yeah, but I think Abby Marino had very little chance against Diavaldi tonight. Yeah. And wasn't, like, didn't the final result prove that strategy correct? Yeah. Like, Gallon was incredible and, like, yeah. all runs mattered in right. this game. And yeah. I know totally. that the Rangers put up a big spot late on, mm-hmm. but playing for one run, I don't really have a huge problem with it when your starter is so locked in. I, I agree. You know, and I'm not, like, totally opposed to the bunt, but again, it was, like, a moment of, like, okay, like, this is how desperate they were. And, and then to not get that run in there makes it all the more painful and makes it kind of, of course, became kind of a, a, full culmination of what we saw from the D-backs offense in this game. Um, but then, you know, Gallon just keeps cruising. Semyon, Seager, Carter out, one, two, three uh, in the fourth, bottom of the fourth. Uh, Longoria doubles, and uh, but then Perdomo strikes out on it. Just to that, the strikeout to get Perdomo. I know he he kind of thought it was, it was absolutely a strike. Just picture-perfect fastball on the outer half. Exactly what um, I was kind of talking about with his fastball command when it was on. Uh, top of the fifth, we have a very deep fly ball from Josh Young. This is when this is the first hard contact for Gallon. We got uh, a fly ball from Garver, uh, which is near the wall that Guriel kind of settles under, and then a deep fly ball to left center, which went yeah 393 feet that Guriel seemed to have it all the way. He calls off Carroll, really nice catch, um, and then great reminder yeah. that play that left field defense makes a difference. Yeah, it absolutely. is the place that we shove the doofiest lead footed you know, Dumbo, mm-hmm. but a lot of balls are in out there. And Absolutely. Gurriel being able to run that down in, in the gap is a big deal. And that is related to Evan Carter. Especially, that's true, uh, especially in this next, uh, in the, especially in this ballpark, I was just going to say. Um, but okay, so now we have Nathaniel Lowe up. And Nathaniel Lowe draws a walk. First base runner. First base runner of the game, Okay. But we're, we're, we're just absolutely cruising at this point. First base runner comes in the Nathaniel Lowe walk, but then Jonah Heim strikes out because Zach Allen is still locked in. We have a couple more base runners for the D-backs in the fifth. Uh, Christian Walker and Cattell Marte reach, but then Guriel grounds out. He gets out of it once again. It is still 0-0 going to the sixth inning. Gallon comes back out again. Tavares, boom. Jankowski, boom. Semyon strikes out swinging on a fastball, inner fastball, just blew it right by him. Clearly was expecting something else. And that was just like, holy shit. Like, this is this is the the performance. And even though we're going to the seventh inning, you're just like, this is, hell yeah, you're sending it back out there. But Evaldi, he goes back out for the sixth and goes one, two, three, including two more strikeouts. Yeah. And you're just like, we're, we're now we're feeling it. Because at this point, as the, 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 you know, when when they're trading zeros in the first three innings, you're like, okay, great, long way to go. When we're when trading zeros, zeros in the sixth. In the sixth, we're like, holy shit, we're watching a classic, right? And that's it's badass. when it feels that way. Oh, yeah. It, tonight's game was the argument against the bullpen game mm-hmm. in many ways. Yeah. The narrative excellence and the delicious mm-hmm. viewing experience mm-hmm. of two hosses yeah. trading Zippos, that's the whole point. Like That's what we want to see in the playoffs instead yes. of the revolving door. Yes. And so we not every team has four Evaldis and four gallons. I understand right. that. But that is why these guys are so special. Yes. In my mind, and I've said this many times, Jordan, there are two types of pitchers. <laughs> Those who can start playoff games – those you can't. It's and honestly, that's kind of what we've learned, right? Like we think about, the, the, and this is part of the problem: is we need teams to develop more starting pitchers that are the ones that can start playoff games, and the team just don't trust them. Now, again, to be clear, D-backs fans, like I understand that was your best option, and that's why we had Game Four, and it sucked, right? It sucked for everybody. But we are mostly talking about just we're, we're the people watching the World Series. We want to enjoy the World Series, and like this is the version of the game that is just so much more enjoyable, and that, especially coming off Game Four, oh. 
just so much fun to watch these two go back and forth in very different ways. Uh, but here we go. Seventh inning, still 0-0. And Corey Seager, after absolutely smashing baseballs all month long, just an absolute squibber. 67-mile-an-hour exit velo basically beats the shift that is still legal <laughs> into left field. Um, and we got a leadoff runner. And then Evan Carter. Sw- well, of not only do we Seager, have a leadoff runner, isn't that yeah. the first hit of the game? Uh, it is the first hit of the game. It is the first hit of the game. Of course it is. Uh, right. So, cause it was the perfect game. Right. So it's not just leader. That's the first hit, which didn't feel like much of a hit. Right. Cause again, if you're, if they weren't shifting him, it's a regular ground out, but instead it's the first hit of the game. And then here comes Evan Carter and he's like, Oh, that didn't look so hard. Boom. Hits the first bad, badly located curveball, And he struck out on, on it earlier, ropes a double, uh, on the second pitch from gallon and in a blink, right. Cause it happens really quickly to start that inning. Suddenly, we didn't even have time to start like thinking about the fact that Gallon was about to go through the order for the third time because of like of course he was going to. He was throwing a no-hitter. But then he suddenly was at 74 pitches or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. But then he has two hits and then suddenly everyone on Twitter is like, "Oh, well, see, third third time." It's like, "No, no, 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 no." No, no, no. Of course he was going to be still out there. Like the no shit he was, right? Like of course now yeah. it gets a little dicey, but like absolutely you leave Zach Gallon out there. And yes, there is the ghost of Kevin Cash. Right. Mm-hmm. There is the ghost of the 2020 World Series with Blake Snell hovering mm-hmm. over that. Yeah. But it's not one for one because no. the Diamondbacks relievers, I don't think <laughs> like I lo- look, I'm the gink king. I love. Oh, gink. and he 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 balled. He balled out, man. But is like, what would you rather have Ryan Thompson or another time of Zach Gallon? Uh, again, you know, what I'd rather have score runs. <laughs> that's that's my final answer for a lot of the the d-bag size shortcomings in this game which we will of course get to anyway but it happened so quickly and they're like oh wait oh now it may should have been ginkle should have, whatever okay mitch garver's like hey sorry boom here's the lead one nothing hey jordan yeah how do you get from phoenix to texas uh you how do you how do you if do i were that? to drive if i were to drive yeah where would i go from, oh, from you would <laughs> drive right through. You would drive right through where where Mr. Garver played his collegiate baseball. You're damn right, I would. Right yeah. through New Mexico, the right. road from <laughs> Chase Field to Globe Life passes right through New Mexico. Yeah, which Mitch Garver, he's not from New Mexico like Alex Bregman, right? There's no way. I don't um, know. He's from, or no, maybe he is. He is from. He is. He's full, full through and through. Albuquerque, go. born and raised. Holy shit! I apologize. Forgive me, forgive me that this man. Uh, why would I? Why would I assume that? But yes, University of New Mexico legend Mitch Garver delivers what at the time was like, oh my God, they scored. Is this game going to be one nothing? Like that hit really could have gone down as a, as a legendary moment. Not that it doesn't, because every moment in the Rangers finally winning the World Series is a legendary moment. But anyway, he gives them a run. Boom. They leave Gallon in for Young, and he strikes Josh Young out. And that was just it was it was great for for Gallon to still finish on that note there because it was like you know what he did his job, he did his job. And at that point, when he leaves the game one one nothing, I'm thinking score some goddamn runs for this guy because wow, what a showing in Game Five of the World Series. Kevin Ginkle comes in, uh, gets Gink. out of the inning as only the Gink does, and now now we really start sweating because now it's like oh my god, the Rangers are nine outs away, <laughs> and how are they going to do it? And oh my god, Aroldis Chapman's coming in. 
And Bruce Bochy is like, let me take that difficulty setting and crank it up to 700 and call on a rolled as Chapman. <sighs> I thought Eva- I think Eovaldi might have come back out if they hadn't scored. I was, yeah. So your boy has big old binoculars, secret to covering ball. You want to be a ball writer, bring your knocks to the yard. Okay. Yeah. And I had mine zoomed in for a lot of that inning on on the Boach, on Bochy and Matt. Oh, on Boach. Talking. And I did not see Boach go to shake Eovaldi's hand for a lot of that inning, at least for the beginning of it. So I do think Eovaldi might have come back out. I don't know, man. That's I mean, based on what ninety-seven pitches, it looked like I, I didn't see a handshake, but it seemed like that. But either way, either way, okay. Here comes Chapman, and this was at least interesting because I guess we'd seen the order between Spores and Chapman kind of flip flop a few times during the postseason. But with the lefties coming up, or with Carroll leading off the inning, they go to Chapman, and Carroll. Swings at the second pitch, uh, which was not a strike. 1-0. And uh, you slack this to me, uh, or some variation of this. Basically, swinging at anything Chapman is throwing you before he has thrown a strike should be punishable by just I, just terrible. Uh, and Kirby Carroll, I love you. You're amazing. You're going to be a 10-time All-Star. You could be one of the greatest players in franchise history. All of those things are true. Rookie of the year, blah, 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 blah. Can't have it. <sighs> just that's not. It's just not the guy. Not the guy to do. Should that. be if Brian Abreu got two games for hitting Adolis, <laughs> Corbin Carroll should get twenty games for swinging at uh, the world. Corbin Carroll should not be allowed to play for the first ten spring training. Not games. acceptable. It's not acceptable. If I, my little leaguers would stand up there, I'd be like, boys, they would get at swinging. least the ball. They would get at least they would draw yeah. balls. as evidenced by the immediate four pitch walk to Cattell Marte that follows. And you're it's just, just not worth swinging. It's just not worth it. Like even in baseball, like in baseball as a whole, a take is worth more than a swing. Hmm. Okay, the value of a take is higher than the value of a swing. Gets rolls Chapman. The value of a take is five x the value. Yeah, not even, not even close. Uh, but then he he kind of locks back in, and Moreno just kind of looks overwhelmed, just swinging the heaters one hundred and one, uh, top of the zone, two outs, and then Christian Walker. So, oh, but then of course because Araldis Chapman hasn't finished an inning in weeks, <laughs> still gets pulled for Christian Walker here, uh, and Spores comes in to begin his legendary outing. Uh, and uh, Christian Walker lines up, and we go to the eighth. And in the eighth, uh, not really anything happened. I guess in the eighth, we have not much, not much. It's just Ginkle kind of not sharp, but like the slider's still good enough, so we get through it. Uh, him getting out of that mess felt like, again, it's it's one nothing, right? So we're, we're feeling it. When Ginkle gets out of the, his own mess, you're like, oh, my God, here we go. Let's score some runs here. We got Tommy Pham coming up. But Spores says, nope, that is not going to happen. Strikes out Fam, gets Gurriel to ground out. Alec Thomas singles, and then Pavin Smith pinch hits for the fourth time. But for gets the first bat. time, he actually got to hit. And here we have two teammates from the University of Virginia Cavaliers who raised the College World Series National Championship trophy in 2015 together when Pavin Smith was a freshman and Josh Spores was a junior. They were like, 10 big leaguers on that team. Uh, but here they are, teammates, former teammates, facing off. And Josh Spores just throws just about the nastiest 
curveball on the outside corner. Like, listen, because of the names involved, you know, it's not quite Adam Wainwright and, and Carlos Beltran, but as far as aesthetics go, it's pretty fucking nasty. <laughs> it and like, believe it or not, like Ron DeSantis was back there watching it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so this is uh we have we have just the perfect, I mean literally just the perfect curveball. Perfect I mean, curveball. I, I, you couldn't you could not drop a better pitcher. So flip ahead to the top of the ninth because that is where the dam breaks. Actually, you know what? One more quick thing on Ginkle. The the video of or the clip of him running off the mound, like getting hype and pumping the crowd up after he finishes a scoreless top of the eighth. I thought he was gonna grab a helmet and a bat and just go He was like my turn. You my scrubs turn. can't hit. Like I'll I'll, I'll take some hacks. I was like, please, like I'll take anything at this point. The gink right. abides. Top of the ninth. It's time for Paul Seawald to pitch. This is the most solemn version of that I have ever said. <laughs> um, here comes Paul Seawald because, I mean, listen, you you just got five outside of Ginkle. Like, this is who they were going to go to. Like, it's not, yep. the, of course, duh, right? Yep. Um, and they're, they're not waiting around. And he throws... A 91-mile-an-hour fastball right down the middle. Jordan, and Josh Jordan we have a special guest. Oh, we special, have a special guest? guest. Say hello. Let's oh, go. my goodness. Jared Sandler has joined the show. Jared, what's so up, dude? Are you feeling good? He says, are you feeling good, Jared? Jordan, this is – this is. I can't even describe how awesome I feel. I smell terribly, and I'm so sorry, Jake, that you can, you're going to smell like alcohol. This is amazing. The Rangers just won the World Series. <laughs> so you grew up in the Dallas area. What is your first memory of Rangers baseball? I went to a game at what was then the ballpark in Arlington, ultimately ended as Globe Life Park. Kevin Gross started for the Rangers. I don't remember who started for the Cleveland, then Indians. I'm allowed to say it because that's what their name was then. Uh, and I remember Albert Bell hit a double and Carlos Baerga hit a home run, uh, and the Rangers lost by a lot of runs. But I grew up, can I tell you something, in, in all seriousness, what's really cool? And, and standing over there, my broadcast partners, Matt Hicks and Eric Nadell, I am here because of Eric. I grew up going to sleep listening to Eric, and he has meant so much to Rangers fans. And the heartbreak of 2011, uh, I think, sat with so many people, especially Eric. And I'm so happy that he had this moment here tonight to call the final out of a Rangers World Series. And I'm so happy for Rangers fans to be able to experience this. This is, this is unbelievable. I'm sure I'm going to go home and cry. <laughs> Crying in baseball is a good thing. Thank you. Thank you all for your coverage of the Rangers all season. And uh, for you folks, more than this season, that's for freaking sure. Uh, keep it easy, everybody. Uh, let's finish up the wrap up here because yeah. at the top of the ninth. He just spoiled it. The Rangers he win? He spoiled it. Oh, yeah. Spoilers. The Rangers won. Damn. Oh, man. That's uh, Jared and Sandler, everybody. Now people are going to delete all this from their TiVo. <laughs> uh, Josh Young jumps on a first pitch from Paul Seawald. Nathaniel Lowe follows uh, on a third pitch. And here comes Jonah Heim for with runners on first and second and nobody out. And remember, it is one to nothing. <laughs> it is still one to nothing. And even when you get the first two guys on, we are sweating this out. It is like this feels, these last few innings were as tense as you can get. Jonah Heim lines one to center field. On the first pitch, again, Paul Seawald has thrown five pitches. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and suddenly, the ball goes into center field. We know one run scoring, for sure. 
And I'm just like, oh my God. Because again, when it's one nothing, it's like, oh, two's going to feel like 20 because the D-backs can't score. So even the single, even when the ball lands in center field, I'm like, game over. And then... And then the ghost of Ioannis Cespedes floats <laughs> down. It reminded me more of Trent Grisham. <laughs> and just boops Alec Thomas right on the head. The baseball rolls just under his glove yeah. and all the way to the wall. Two runs score. Jonah Heim ends up on third. And that is curtains. Yeah. But if you needed total darkness, if you needed total darkness, a couple batters later, Marcus Semyon finished the job. Truly says goodnight. Marcus Semyon in his 835th plate appearance of the season, the, the most. most of all time, if by a single player in a single baseball season, he played in all Playoffs. 179 games that the Rangers played. Playoffs and regular seasons combined. Playoffs and regular season combined. And in his final one, he said, uh, as you said, <laughs> curtains. It. It's not just curtains. We're turning the lights out. Goodbye. He's, he's like, yeah, uh, I'm going to make sure this is my last plate appearance. Yeah. And uh, that was it. He hits a home run. He, like Corey Seager, looks way more excited than he ever has hitting a home run. And it's 5 nothing. And now we are just counting down. And Josh Spores comes back out for the ninth because with a five-run lead and because he has been their best reliever the whole postseason and because they did not want to use Jose Leclerc for a third day in a row, and they did not have to, they said, hey, Josh Spores, Go take us home and take them home. He did. Strikes out Perdomo. Carroll pops out and gets Marte on a not quite as nasty but still pretty nasty curveball looking. And that is it. Your Texas Rangers are the 2023 World Series champions for the first time. First time ever. They're, they, they, they did. They're the last team. They did it. They won. And uh, holy shit, they, that was that was an unbelievable run. It was an unbelievable game. This World Series was great. This postseason was great. But I um, I mean, I'm just glad that like this game delivered. You know, for how much we wanted to dunk on game four, I will remember this yeah. game uh, for a very long time. I think the quality of the final game of a series is important mm -hmm. in remembering the series. Mm -hmm. This was solid. It was a solid game. Yeah. It was entertaining. It was compelling. It had ebbs. It had flows. I wish the Diamondbacks could have scored a run. That would have maybe been cool. But besides that, it was pretty spectacular. And before we want, before we go to break and talk about this from a bigger picture, I want to just touch on what Jared just ran on and, and said. Sure. Because the Texas Rangers and the city of Dallas and Texas as a whole means nothing to me and to you, right? It has no connection to us. We grew up in D.C. We did not grow up going to see Rangers games. We had not been to the, you have not been to the new stadium. Mm -hmm. We both went to the old stadium once, mm -hmm. but to see what baseball means to a place, right? To see the, the hold that it has on people, the tight grasp that it can, that like just the meaning of it, right? Like to see someone like Jared, who has been around this team all year, who has grown up watching this club with tears in his eyes, like that's what it's about, right? And even mm -hmm. though you and I, and a lot of this country, cannot relate to that because we don't care i put that in air quotes about the texas rangers mm -hmm. it's important to remember that some people do 
And that yeah. baseball matters to places and the people who live in them. 100%. Uh, let's take a quick break. And when we return, we yep. will do uh, some more uh, big picture thoughts uh, before we say goodbye. Hey, everyone. Producer Chris here with a brand new housekeeping note about our merch. Basically, we have a bunch of new stuff. So if you've been looking for a baseball barbercast-themed beanie or bucket hat, or even a t-shirt with one of those cool pockets on the chest, well, you can stop looking and start buying because they are all available right now just in time for winter. Just go to podswag.com baseball and don't leave yourself clothesless this winter. That's P-O-D-S-W-A-G dot baseball. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast, Jake Mintz, Jordan Schusterman. I'm Jake Mintz. He's Jordan Schusterman. Hey. Let's go down onto the field where I am currently not. And by a dumpster. And <laughs> You're a closer than I am. <laughs> that, that is true. Um, me being here allows me to get a perspective of what it is like mm-hmm. to, you know, I get to touch the celebration. I get to smell it. I get to be in the champagne room and all that bullshit. And you pick up all these little moments and vignettes that are very special. Along the way, I they get blurred into one another. Sure. And so it's hard to kind of pick them out. But I will do my best to take you, the listeners, there. Sure. Yeah. And of course, you know, obviously for the World Series in particular, they they do a pretty good job if you watch on the Fox broadcast. Like you're you're in there. You you get a good amount of shot for it. But as you said, like you're seeing a lot more. And having done it once uh in twenty twenty uh one, like I remember especially being on the field afterwards and just seeing the families and seeing how many different people and friends and like former college coaches and just like you realize how many people are there for these players and how many different you're just the 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 whole span of the roster and coaches and just like parts of the organization that you're not necessarily thinking about and you that's really where you start to see which teammates are especially close and you know which guys have been through it the longest and whatnot so I am curious about that I mean the reality of this Rangers roster is most of the guys haven't been there very long, right? I mean, it's not its not like there's too many guys where you can look around and be like, wow, like we've been through this. Honestly, the one guy who I really wanted to see, which I didn't see at any point, was LeClerc, who didn't end up pitching in this game. I didn't see him in any of this. So I'm sure he was there, whatever. Saw a lot of Adolis, of course. Max looks like he's having a great time. But as far as the players where it's like, oh... the connection to the team is maybe not quite the same because a lot of them are so new, but like the, the the veterans though still hit Semyon guys that have been had long careers and and finally achieved it is really special. So it's a very interesting dynamic and uh, a a acquaintance friend, colleague person we know who works for the Rangers asked me after they won tonight, what was my sense of the group? What were my impressions of the team being around them? They are outrageously professional. (laughs) And that is a very boring thing to say and obviously applies to all 30 teams, all professional. And maybe it was just going from the Phillies to this, not <laughs> to say the Phillies aren't professional, but like it's a much um, happy-go-lucky vibe in that room. And this is a very task-oriented group. There is a mercenary vibe and that doesn't, that's not a bad thing, right? That's what the money's for. Yeah. Did the Rangers buy a championship? Fuck yeah, they did. That's the point. <laughs> Right, they went out and they spent. You're allowed to do that. You're allowed to do that. You're supposed to do that. They spent the money wisely on good players that helped them win baseball games. That is the whole point. Mm -hmm. And you understood that energy that these guys are not necessarily spending a lot of time away from the field with one another in the way that some of the other teams that like 
I'm sure the Diamondbacks are a lot more like that, right? The Phillies were like that. The Braves were like that. And that's just because this is an older group. And again, not a bad thing. Even the younger players on this team are like particularly seasoned. Josh Young, Evan Carter, you know, they go about the boring tasks of the day of baseball. And the World Series was in some ways just another big, awesome number one task to circle. Now on the flip side of that, right, you have the raw emotion of the guys who never thought they would be in this position. Robbie Grossman, right? Talked to him for a while. He was like, look, look at all the players who play forever and never get one. Never get even close. Never Never get even close. close. So those those veterans. 100%. John Gray. emotion, John Gray. The emotion is less about the city. Yep. The team that you're on. Franchise Mm -hmm. than it is about how these players together fit within the scope of their own careers. And that's fine. And again, I really want to emphasize, not a bad thing. Rangers fans, you shouldn't give a flying shit about this. Yeah. Right? You should be chugging a beer right now and getting ready for the parade. Like, don't, this should not matter to you. The flags fly fly forever and you get to enjoy it however the heck you want. I'm just trying to paint a picture for people Mm -hmm. who are maybe trying to determine between different t- types of teams that win the World Series. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and that's true because every team kind of has. But again, like, that's the thing. Because there's so many new faces for the last couple of years, and yes, there are players that did go through the lean years relatively not that long ago, like Nathaniel Lowe, like Heim, but it, it's just not that much time, right? And so, and when you don't have that many homegrown guys, it's just, it's, but, but it's fine because again, it's two different conversations. That's just our observations of the yeah. group and how they all got here and what it means to them. It, it, it's allowed to mean different things for, for every player. And the fan conversation is a different thing. And that's what's most important. Think about 2011, not a single person in that room <laughs> besides, like, I mean, honestly, like, not, not who, who in that room. Gives a shit about 2011. Bingo. And they asked Nathan Eovaldi about this. Yeah. Maybe it was Seeger in the press conference. Like, what does this mean? Like, w- did you know that this was the first for the franchise? The ghosts of 2011. And the fact that it meant nothing, I think, helped them overcome it. Totally. Totally. And it's the same thing with, like, any team that, like, again, this happened with the Mariners, too, right? Like, the drought isn't our fault. Like Julio doesn't give a shit about the drought, no. right? Like he, you have to embrace and say, yeah, this is part of it. We were trying to win the first world series, but again, shifting it to the fan focus earlier today, I spent a lot of time watching 2011 videos. Me too. And I didn't want to text my Rangers fan friends, you know, <laughs> and say, Hey, I'm doing this now. I wasn't going to say that, but like that truly is even yeah. At the time, and still now, now it's the closest. The closest. The worst. It is the most devastating World Series near miss of our lifetime ever. And they don't have this franchise does not have the repetitive year over year crushing shit. Like yes, they've never won before. Yeah, I get that. And there are other moments of pain, but they have the goat. (laughs) awful moment in baseball history yes which was multiple times and yes of course there's other like game seven horrible laws you know cleveland of course one comes to mind one out they were down to their last strike twice yes Yes. um and yet cleveland has a case but but that but that individual moment 
and how that game went in game six, 2011. And remember that they were there in 2010 too, right? Like it, I, I was in pain watching it this afternoon, knowing that they had a great chance to win tonight. Like not thinking that they were going to blow it tonight because I watched this team and it has nothing to do with that team. And this team has better, like amazing players and they were going to win. Right. But like, that was just so much to to deal with. And as Jared mentioned earlier, right? Like that is such a real thing that has that has haunted this team. And that's the, this is the other th- thing about this. 13 years is not, or 12 years is not that long, right? Yeah. Like that's the kind of moment that could haunt for decades. Yep. And for them to go all to bring it back to this team, for them with this ownership and with Chris Young over the past few years to say, we are not going to stay. We are going to do whatever we can to put ourselves in position to win. Doesn't always work out, but they did enough, made it pushed enough of the right buttons and were aggressive enough and were fully committed to winning their first World Series. That should be the goal of any team that's never won the World Series, and we've seen the Padres do that, right? But to specifically erase what that felt in 2011 is is so admirable and so cool that they got that for the fans. Last moment that I'll remember. Adrian Beltre. Yes. Lifting yes. the trophy. Had you first seen thing. him during the yes. series? Uh, I guess because he yes. threw out the first pitch. Yeah, he's been around. Okay. He's been so, around. So tell me this moment. Because you tweeted the picture and it obviously did very well, but I'm curious about, you know. Well, first of all, I don't want to sound salty. There's a retweet button. Just going to say that. <laughs> no, 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 no. What's wrong with VSS but his BBQ? Come on. There's a retweet button for a reason. There is a retweet. Not, I don't know. Some accounts I think don't have the retweet button. Oh, maybe that's what Twitter Blue is. Sorry. They can't find it. Uh okay. I'm standing. This is like kind of late. There aren't that many people really. Th- there are a lot of TVs, cameras left on the field, and there's a ton of family, but there aren't. Like it's it's kind of towards the end, mm-hmm. and it's Martin Perez. That's a guy I'm very happy for. Okay, I have a video of it. It's Martin Perez handing the trophy to Beltre and kind of egging Beltre on and telling him to hold it and to hold it up. And Beltre says, no, 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 no. He says, it's like basically, you know, not about me. No. And Perez insists and insists and insists. And Beltre relents and he gets about 10 seconds to hold up the trophy. And it was so cool to see that, man. To see Perez, who... Did he overlap with Beltre? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, they, they yeah. played years together. Yeah. Yeah. They, and But but here's the thing. Beltre's last year is 2018, okay? His first year is 2011. That's the other thing about Beltre's career, which is interesting, right? He, he is so closely associated with Texas, um, understandably, right? And he's not there until he's 32 right. because he was so great, right? But... 2018 is is Beltre's last season. The only guy on that team that's still around is LeClerc and Martin Perez, who has since left and came back. Right? Nobody else. Nobody else has left. Um, and so, so yeah, they were absolutely they were teammates. They were teammates for a while. So that that is a great moment. That is one of the rare ones within the celebration of one where that connection to the team means so much to Martin Perez and him to know how much it means to Beltre also is uh is really, really, really special. So that's that's an awesome moment. That I, I appreciate the the insight into that because the picture alone, you know, speaks for itself. Uh but uh that's that's really, really, really cool. 
So I love that. Um, that's it, Jordan. Okay. Uh, let's. Can we do five minutes on the Dynamax and then we can say goodbye? Can we do that on Friday? All right, we'll do that on Friday. I'm just. That's fine. <laughs> I'm kinked. I'm kinked. <laughs> You're kinked. Friday's episode, we will spend more time on the snakes. What a year. They, they deserve more time. Uh, but for now, we will cut it off. Uh, Jake, good luck getting home. I don't have an ID. I have to write a lot tonight. Yep. Yep. There's a lot of things that have to happen. That's why we're in my this editor, podcast. My editor, don't listen to it. Don't listen to this. <laughs> Haven't started writing. Well, you won't be able to hear this until hopefully after you're done. So true. Um, thank you all for If listening. you work at TSA at Phoenix Airport, uh-huh. shoot me an email. All right, sweet. Baseballbarbercast at gmail.com, B-A-R-B-Cast. Thank you to Chris yeah. Tyler for producing this episode early on Thursday morning for all you fine yep. folks to listen. We appreciate everyone who's uh, enjoyed and listened to the postseason, all uh, postseason pods all month long. The show keeps going. Friday will be back. We have all kinds of very exciting stuff lined up for the offseason, obviously. But for now, we will say goodbye. We'll be back on Friday to do some more big picture Rangers and D-backs thoughts and start thinking about the offseason. But until then, uh, everyone enjoy the no baseball on Thursday, although that would have been the case anyway. And uh, start watching Winter League because that's all you got. Congratulations to the Texas Rangers. Sirius XM Podcasts.